Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, fresh from a round of nude fighting at the beach, (laughs) Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I wish, brother. I wish. (laughs) I'd wrestle... With Jennifer Lawrence naked on the beach any day. <laughs> any day. And I, and again, I don't think that's a spoilerish thing to no. say, but if anything, it's an encouraging thing to say for people. <laughs> As I was uh, talking to, I did a, a I'll, I'll talk about it later more specifically, but today I did a triple header at the movie theater. And I know a lot of people at my local movie theater. I used to work with them when I worked at the old movie theater. And just when I was uh, getting it recommended, like, hey, man, you, you should go check out that No Hard Feelings movie. I'm like, yeah, I'm going. And he's like, yeah, no, no. You, a lot of, like, you know, teens and 20-year-old boys are, like, going in there, like, checking it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I heard, you know, it's a sex comedy, whatever, I get it. And then I get out there, and he's like, yeah, I've seen some parts, you know, you'll like it. And 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 I go out, and I tell him about the nude fight scene or whatever, and he was just like, oh, yeah, I gotta check that out later. Like, it was, like, just a bro <laughs> conversation. He had no idea, and he was doing the hard sell on me before then, so that's pretty funny. On today's show, later on, we will do uh, the breakdown of my movie marathon as well as catch up with what Shane thought of No Hard Feelings, as that is one of the movies that I saw today and Shane has seen previously. Um, Plus, up top here, we will do kind of like a TV wrap-up thing where, uh, as promised, I guess, you could say from last week, us talking about The Bear as well as uh, our favorite TV shows of the year so far last week. Kind of wanted to check in with you, Shane, because uh, we both uh, wrapped up the second season of The Bear after we spoke last week. And now that we also had our top fives out there, you finished the season, all that. Where does it rank for you? And what did you think of the last few episodes, mm. uh, including that big pivotal uh, episode six that you only got partially through, that that is a hell of a one to end on? Yeah, six was, again, gave me anxiety just watching that episode. I think that's a general feeling just from the social media oh, God, yeah. of everyone who watched it. They're like, oh, my God, that was hard to watch. And it was. It was a hard watch. Yeah. And uh, But, man, it, it was great. I love the follow-up episode, Forks. It was my favorite uh, of the season. I'm Team Richie all the way. Yeah, it was a great episode. Richie kind of finds his purpose and kind of gets his head on straight. It was phenomenal. And you think everything's going great until the walk-in freezer. And it's uh-huh. like, God, they can't have anything nice. Like, nothing nice can happen to these people. I know. And Hell I of a callback, though. Yeah, I know. I won't spoil it for people who haven't finished the season. But it is better than the first season, which is really hard for me to say. Yeah. Just phenomenal season. And I want you to – I was going to ask you because I picked up on this. And I don't know how many people who watched – this series picked up on it. Mm-hmm. 
But the episode where Marcus is talking to William Poulter in Copenhagen. Yes. And Poulter's telling the story of how he thought he was a hot shot until he worked at a three-star in Chicago. Right. And he worked with a younger chef who then he realized he wasn't as good as he thought he was because that chef worked so fast. Right. And then Marcus is like, well, you're Scottie Pippen. He was Michael Jordan. There's nothing wrong being Pippen. Right. But then at the end, and he never drops a name, but at the end of the Forks episode, you see Richie walking down the hallway. Yeah, and he sees the and, picture, yeah. And he seems to picture Carmi and William Poulter. I don't think a lot of people got that connection, but he was talking about Carmi going yeah. to Chicago. I thought that was a neat way to kind of like wrap that up a little bit without dropping Carmi's name. And again, if you didn't pick up on it, it took me like after that, I'm like, oh, shit, that's the Pippin thing he's talking about. Right. Just great. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, just some of her best acting in quite a while as the mom, even though she was only like an episode and a quarter, maybe. Right. Um, my assumption is she'll be a bigger part of season three is my guess. But man, what a way to wrap up. Uh <laughs> I could watch the show again starting tomorrow and be just as fulfilled watching the show. It, it, it's, it would have ranked. It probably would have been my number two show behind The Last of Us. Yeah. To, to me, like I, I tried to pitch you last week that this would have been my number one without completing it. And I felt wrong for doing so. Now you I'm, been I'm right. full force. Yeah. It's my number one. Yeah. Um, it's It's not even close. To me, this show is just... Like I said last week, where it's like one part an anxiety attack, one part like elegant a ASMR calming feeling for me on certain episodes. Um, you're right about the the Carmi Marcus thing. I didn't really pick that up, um, mostly because I forgot about the age that he said. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that's a it's a good good pickup by you. But man, that that show doesn't even need like deep dive coy things. Like it's just. It's such an amazing level where things that don't fully even pay off in my mind, like even in that episode with Marcus, like when he saves the guy on the street, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't see what that does for the show or for even for Marcus. But I was just like, that was interesting. I don't care. <laughs> like it, it just it just works. The show uh, is never boring. It's always fascinating. The personalities here, uh, like I said to you last time, where if they do an individual episode like the Marcus one, I'm not mad at it versus some other shows. I'm like, ah, oh, this is, feels like a waste of time. This one, the, the bench is so deep and the characters are so necessary to be expanded upon that you need all that to enjoy this show. Uh, because I like it that it's not just about Carmi. You know, because this show easily could be about him and mental illness or whatever the the experiences of like the highs and lows or the fall off of, you know, being such a big time chef and all that stuff. Instead, it's just so layered and I, I can't get enough of it. And you're right. It's instantly rewatchable. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is about the show exactly, but whether it's the pacing, whether it's the 30 minute runtime or whatnot, but I literally like if I finished it, and I wanted to, and I had enough time, I would just instantly just run it back, and I would be totally fine with that. So, yeah, this is instantly my number one. So come at me, folks, for uh, if you don't like that. <laughs> or, um, you know, we didn't hear a lot of flack from our, our last episode, so I think, you know, maybe the rankings uh, we did were pretty solid on that. And I can't fault your Last of Us. We, we covered it extensively, and it, it has a different type of vibe. But, yeah, definitely uh, this one is one of the, the best 
I've seen and uh, and better than season one. I agree. Right. Um, but you also caught up on another show that's kind of been more recent, although your face seems like maybe the experience wasn't as good, was uh, something on Peacock. So what did you check out there? Yeah, on the old Peacock, I checked out the, the entire first season of Based on a True Story. Right. With uh, Kaylee Cuoco, as I pronounce yep. her name. Mm-hmm. Very yep. good. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Messina and Tom Bateman. And essentially, she plays like a struggling pregnant real estate agent. Uh, her husband, played by Chris Messina, is a fallen tennis prodigy who once beat Federer in his life, but now is a tennis pro at a country club. Mm-hmm. And they're struggling to make ends meet. And they come across uh, their plumber because they needed some help in the house. And they find out, no spoiler, he's a serial killer. So, uh, <laughs> and Kaylee Cuoco's character, she's into murder mysteries. She has a, a clique of housewives that they they set up and they listen to all these podcasts. So their idea was to pitch him on a live podcast and interview him as he's doing his thing kind of right so they're Mm. all incognito and just stuff starts to kind of roll downhill from there as you can imagine sure it was an enjoyable watch again i like chris messina Mm -hmm. i've only seen him in a handful of things he was like in a season of the sinner uh i think it was season three right but good chemistry it's funny it's black humor tom bateman as the serial killer Never seen him in anything before. I looked him up and he was in a couple TV shows, but he's kind of uh, electric on screen, kind of. You don't know where he's kind of coming from. He has that uh, ghost face killer voice from Scream just naturally. <laughs> so he kind of, that's kind of how he talks. Yeah. But it's darkly funny. The characters are good. And obviously he's bingeable because I watched all eight episodes in one day. So, <laughs> okay. So, there you go. So better if than you, your face implied. That's good to know. <laughs> yes, yes. Better than my face implied, especially that I'm not a big Kaylee Cuoco fan. But no, definitely check it out. The Peacock It's like not up there with Poker Face, but it's an enjoyable. It's an enjoyable binge. Yeah, Cuoco is an interesting one because I am vehemently anti Big Bang Theory. Me it, too. Like it makes my stomach churn. So. It's tough when that's how she kind of bursts onto the scene, right? So I kind of like, I don't know, like labeled her in a certain way of just like, ah, that's her from that thing. And then I had friends who actually worked with her uh, on The Flight Attendant for HBO. And I hear that show is tremendous. And again, like she has a reputation for being uh, a delight otherwise. So like to me, I should be, I've been quietly rooting for her, but I haven't seen her anything or watched anything so if you're recommending maybe i'll uh i'll do it especially if it's that good of a quick binge yeah it's like 45 42 45 minutes an episode Mm -hmm. and um you know this is one of those shows where you're okay if you slow watch it too like watch one or two here watch one or two here sure but i got caught up in a mood where it's like all right where's this going am i gonna figure this guy out like it keeps you kind of guessing so right good watch excellent uh, another one uh, from the growing list of our watch lists that we keep trading <laughs> back and forth. That's good to know. So let's get to the movie stuff because I had, like I said, a big movie marathon today. Uh, three movies in one day. Have you done that recently? Just out of curiosity. Ooh, it's been about a year. Usually on my birthday, I go see a double feature, but I've never done three in a day. Okay. <laughs> see, I've done the film festival thing where like... I'm there specifically to watch movies. So like it's, you know, I set it up that way where I'm like, I'm at a state, you know, I only have so many, so much time to watch whatever I need to watch. So usually I'll stack them and I've done three, maybe even four in a day in a film festival setting. But 
doing it in like a general public movie theater, I haven't done three in a very long time. I may have done two, but even then, that's rare, super rare. And I don't know, man. I felt kind of cool about it. I, I had like this kind of like, you know, like I'm here to do my job kind of a vibe, like, you know, that I'm, you know, not eating as much as I should because or, you know, trying to limit my snacks and whatever, just to like I'm like a trained athlete doing this stuff. <laughs> and I do that at film festivals, too, because I don't want to have to get up go to the bathroom or doing that stuff so i like limit my intake of everything and then only do stuff in between and but this one was a close one because i literally i think i got it to where i was half hour 45 minutes tops between movies and so and i still managed to you know get all my meals in do what i had to do but it it was kind of fun i was like taking (laughs) notes and you know i'm kind of like seeing all right well what are the trailers on a comedy? I, like again, the three movies that I watch, you couldn't get any different movie to movie than what I watch. It's like sex comedy with Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lawrence up top, which I did that on purpose because I saw it at nine thirty in the morning. So Ooh. I was like, all right, if I already am like you know Sunday morning one you know one bloodshot eye open, you know you got to start. You don't start out with the heavy stuff. You don't go for a heavy drama. You don't do any of that stuff. You got to go right to something light because you don't want to like you know have to lose something in the translation. So I started with that, then went to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and then after all that long adventure excitement stuff, I went to Asteroid City for the more artsy, you know, Wes Anderson comedy stuff. And again, interesting too because I love the summer for the fact that I can see a movie that early, and I got 3 movies in before dinner time. That's pretty awesome. So like That's a feat. Yeah, and to me, I just love that experience. I love doing that, and it was cool to like check in with like the the management and usher people that I knew, like in between, to be like, "All right, did you see it? What's good?" With you know, like going back and <laughs> forth, and and also checking out the vibe of like who is seeing these uh, movies as well. So this was opening weekend for Indiana Jones, right? But not for was no hard feelings opening this weekend as well, or was that last weekend? I believe no, that was last weekend. Yeah, and then Asteroid City has been kind of like slowly coming out. Yeah, I think it might have third. Right, so I think yeah, that also opened the week before or what have you. So you know, it's interesting. You know, again, I don't want to label the no hard feelings thing, uh, especially. I'm curious your experience because you also saw this movie. I saw it again Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. for a sex comedy. So maybe, you know, all the teenagers and 20-somethings are not going to wake up that early to go see it. So I had the theater all to myself, which was terrific. How was your experience? When did you see it? How did you see it? I saw I saw it open. Well, I saw it Thursday afternoon. I went after work, which I love going to the theater on Thursday. It's kind of like my thing now. I just love the vibe there. I yeah. went to a 445 showing. So not quite the early bird, but like not quite the late show. Right. And it was probably a quarter of the way full because, again, second week in release. You had Indiana Jones opening up this weekend. But I'd say the crowd was a little older, um, kind of around my age, like late 30s, 40s crowd. And everyone had a blast, man. It was just a good everyone's laughing you can hear them it was just a good time in the theater which is exactly what i needed yeah it's weird like i had you know like i said the uh the a different experience because i'm all by myself which obviously for a comedy you d- you don't want to like that's not the experience you want especially if you're going out to the theater to see it 
you kind of want to have that kind of like what are what does everybody think is funny what you know get that contagious laughter right. going or something i would say i laughed like a couple times to myself which i guess maybe is still a positive because if you're by yourself it's hard to like sit there like cackling to yourself you sound like a crazy person so but overall what did you think of the movie because i i'm i was so pumped to have a like a comedy that a studio comedy that i wanted to see out in theaters cuz you don't get to see a lot of them but i don't know if how much i'm in on this one here here's what i'll say i had mixed feelings on this movie it made me laugh, like you said, a couple times. I love the supporting cast, though I wish they were in it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I thought they wasted a couple of those actors. But uh, it had more heart than I thought. So a lot of the funny stuff, it's one of those movies where a lot of the clips you saw in the trailer, it was the funny stuff in the movie. Exactly. I had that same thought. Outside of like the beach scene, the naked fight scene. Right. And uh, we'll get into it towards the end. So, yeah, even though I laughed several times, but I thought it was funny. Jennifer Lawrence can do comedy. I mean, she could do anything. I mean, she's just good. And her co-lead, Andrew Barth Feldman, not familiar with his work at all. But apparently my client said he's on Broadway a lot. So he's coming from the stage. It It had heart and it actually had a decent story where she's like living on this or this part of New York her whole life. And she's trying to save her house and. People come in during the summer and, you know, it's just one of those movies where it had heart and I was in a good place. So I actually had a good time. It's a very formulaic movie because you can kind of see what's coming every step of the way, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And I had a client was like, oh, you know, that's gross. She's like in her 30s and he's like 19. Well, they make fun of that in the movie. Like they they point out in the movie the entire way. So I'm like, okay, that takes care of that. So I actually had a good time and I'll reveal my score towards the end. It, it was it was cute. It was funny. It had a heart. So and it was an hour and a half, which is like the perfect timing runtime for a movie like this. You know what I mean? Right. No, for sure. And honestly, like you said, they do explain it or make fun of the age gap in the movie. But for, for anybody else, like the, it's literally like spelled out in the trailer as well, like what the motivations are. And not to mention Jennifer Lawrence does kind of skew younger than what her actual age is um for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about here this is about uh jennifer lawrence's character maddie who thinks she's found the answer to her financial troubles when she discovers an intriguing job listing uh wealthy helicopter parents looking for someone to date their introverted 19 year old son we'll get to that weird age conversation too by the way um percy and bring him out of his shell before he leaves for college 19 genius and leaving for college i think they purposely didn't have it be 18 to make it seem less creepy so it's right that's interesting but percy proves to be more of a challenge than she expected and time is running out before she loses it all um basically she's you know got the green light to to bang him for a buick regal a used buick Buick regal so um good you know uh i've i've been told you know never shame how people get their money. Um, so you do you, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Um, so I I thought this movie was very straight up down the middle. Like as far as like if you're trying to compare it against like other more modern sex comedies that are like of a similar age range or any of those things, I thought this was a little like it didn't have as many laughs, and it wasn't it again for us talking about. There's two major scenes of either nudity or some kind of weird sexual thing in this movie and yet that's it's a weird complaint to be like that's it so 
you know, it's not super bad. It's not, no. you know, it's not even sex drive or something like that where it's like more outlandish and maybe a little more hypersexual or whatever. And I think that's because Jennifer Lawrence is older and she's driving the bus here as opposed to, you know, it's not seen from Percy's eyes. So or or fully his experience. So I think that's why for the most part it's kind of mature in a mm. lot of spots because there are a lot of mature moves here. Um but yeah, it's still worth watching, but it's I'll I'll kick it off if you want. It's probably a three-star movie, just a straight down the middle like I didn't hate this. I some stuff was funny and then it was over. Yeah. I gave it a three and a half. Um I gave it a bump up, and I'm going to sound like a okay. caveman here, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> kudos for Jennifer Lawrence, who should probably get nominated for an Oscar, because that whole nude beach scene, right? She's cool with doing a topless scene, which you don't get from A-listers anymore, because they're all hoity-toity and don't want to show their breasts on camera anymore. True. And a lot of people were saying, was it a body double? And there's articles coming out. No, she said she did there's it. There's no it, way. Yeah, it was within the script. She said she's cool with it. She's she having fun with movie. it. She the movie. <laughs> yeah, she produced the movie. So it it that's a scene that was you can see in the eighties rom coms and that kind of stuff that you don't see today anymore. Exactly. And again, I for what it was, I appreciated the kind of like throwback eighties kind of sex comedy that that was. Cause again, you don't get that from A listers anymore. For sure. Because you're you know, whatever, it's 2023. I know I'm a caveman, but kudos for Jennifer Lawrence. Hey, she signed up for it. There's no need to be a cave right. like uh, describe it as such. And she's a very good looking I mean, she is a good looking woman. Right. Uh I, I thought the last joke went a little too far and didn't need to be in the movie. No, uh, I don't think so either. When she has the guy on the couch, I thought yeah. like, ugh, that's in bad taste and that's kind of out of context at this point, I thought. Yeah. Also, gotta be extremely hard to do. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to do that first. Of all. I don't physics, think they're that flexible because they're meant for no, fingers. No, no. <laughs> yeah. No rule of physics, he wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. And yeah, I felt and like or oh, get was, out of that probably yeah, without. I was like, yeah, it's kind of unnecessary. But like you said, I had a good time. I laughed, lighthearted, had heart, liked the co-leads. Nice to see Matthew Broderick on screen. So I, I gave it a three and a half. Yeah, I got to say, do you have like any particular lines that you enjoyed? Because I think the one that I liked the most or one that made me laugh out loud was, um, is her vagina dishwasher safe? Yeah. Made me laugh really hard. <laughs> um, so that was a good line. There were a couple of those where I, I was laughing to myself, even though, like I said, I was by myself in the theater. So like I no, said, that was a good one. When Troy came over to the table, yeah, yeah. that was a, that, that whole, the whole back and forth was actually pretty funny. That was probably the funniest bits in the whole, yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I like the, the man eater conversations they were having. There was a bunch of Great like scene. I, yeah. I love the piano scene where he goes up and he plays, that was actually a good yeah. cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. And it was a good arrangement and everything. I was very impressed. And, yeah. and now that you say that he's been on Broadway, now that makes sense that he has maybe some of the skills that are closer to that world than the movie world. So I'm into it. Good on yeah. him, man. Maybe he'll get more work out of it. But yeah, I thought this was pretty straight up. Now, after that, I went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Again, couldn't get any different. Uh, than going to see a sex comedy. Uh, this movie is, you know, like two hours and 25 minutes. So again, a lot longer too. Um, 
and I it didn't feel overly long, so good on them for that. I was actually surprised, not only by the reaction I've seen this weekend, but in my own personal reaction to the movie, because I think you can say the same way I did. I wasn't excited to go see this movie, even though I'm a big Indiana Jones guy, or at least like original three trilogy, you know, however you want to put it, even though they're up to five movies now. I, I really like the first three, and going to see this, it was, I, I heard from a lot of friends making geriatric jokes and everything else, um, that it's it's just hard uh, to get excited for an 80-year-old action star uh, of sorts to, to be making a movie, especially when he's doing an iconic character that you don't want him to mess with, right? I would say, though, I echo a lot of like my friends who saw it over the weekend. It's way better than you would think. And like the critics ripped it apart. And part of me, I wonder if that case is actually something that I didn't like about the movie, um, which is, you know, we've been around the block. We saw those movies in the 80s and, you know, we like them a certain way, right? We like the, the almost like the, the swashbuckling type character, this brute. You know, that can, you know, you feel every punch, you love every scene, the the set design is perfect, whatever. We're never going to go back to that. And I think if any critic is of our age or older or what have you, then between that and the uh, de-aging tech that they use for, for stretches here in the movie, you can get annoyed or it'll take you out and you'll be like, fuck this movie. And I, I can't begrudge anyone who has those feelings because, again... We're never going to go back to those type of feelings. However, James Mangold knows how to make a goddamn popcorn action movie, adventure movie, however you want to put it. The guy really knows this stuff, and I enjoyed myself enough with this movie. And, you know, the movie plays out like a reverse Last Crusade, where, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the daughter of of a certain character that is close to Indiana Jones, obviously not in previous movies, but like as they portray it in the movie. And then he gets obsessed with a particular thing, obviously the, the quote dial that is uh, in the title of the movie. And she gets, you know, into his notebooks and kind of like the grail diaries from Sean Connery in last crusade. And she gets, uh, she picks up the trail and tries to go find this thing and then tries to get Indiana Jones to go on it. And it goes from there. And, you know, it kind of works. There's even, um, they like I said to, to people I talked to about the movie before we got on the mics, they kind of copy and pasted just some of the greatest hits. And you can either be annoyed by that or you could be like, well, this. what did you expect? This is what we're doing. This is a, the fifth Indiana Jones movie. You're either in or you're out. And to me, I was in. I was in enough that I enjoyed myself. I'm not going to turn around and go, wow, it's better than any of the original three because I think those have a special place in my heart. But it's better than Crystal Skull. And I think Mads Mikkelsen was quality casting. Uh, your boy Holbrook uh, was just a, a trigger-happy brute in this one uh, doing a more straight-up role, uh, which I enjoyed. And it just works. It works enough. Um, but I did have issues with the de-aging as it were because much like when they did Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian you kind of don't get the emotion in the face because you're you know de-aging you're swapping whatever you're doing you're 
digitally enhancing whatever you're doing that it you just can't get certain emotions it's like you have to be so stoic and it doesn't always work especially when you're in like these big action scenes and such but i will say to their credit that they did light and uh set the 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 stunt coordination well enough that even though they were de-aging and in a fight that it doesn't really matter because you wouldn't have seen their face uh whether because of the lighting or the uh the choreography that it doesn't really matter but there are certain scenes where you just go ah, i'm not buying it you know like gotcha. uh, so it will get knocked down for that i'd probably say this is again i like a three seems low a three and a half seems kind of hot like so i'm in go that kind like you normally do. i will cheat and i will say probably three and a quarter uh just to say and you know it's probably getting around those scores right now so i think everything is kind of fair i could see uh you know obviously a less discerning audience being overjoyed by this movie the when i saw the movie it was packed in the theater um midday on a sunday so i think this movie's gonna have good returns i haven't seen any box office yet on that so yeah I, i i think it's gonna do well and i think it might have a little bit of legs not like a maverick thing or anything but i think more than what maybe people thought okay well i might have to check this out my you know obviously i haven't seen it yet not it was low on my list because of the Crystal Skull, which I shouldn't hold this movie, uh, blame this movie for that atrocity. Yeah. But when I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, God, like, can yeah. I sit why? there through yeah. the whole thing? Like, why? And that's the only reason. Honestly, that's the only reason why I was hesitant on seeing this movie. Like, do I want to see a two and a half hour Indiana Jones movie? Right. But you know what, sir? You may have convinced me to go see that on Fourth of July. Yeah. Hey, it's it's playing the hits. So, again, if you get annoyed by that, fine. But I would also ask you why you're in the movie theater if you're not rooting for kind of a sense of the hits, at least. And at least we're not chasing aliens this time or doing something ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I think it works. um, And it does get into still some level of sci-fi fantasy, in a sense. So, you know, if that turns you off in an Indiana Jones adventure, maybe be more hesitant. But I, I don't think people who are into it will be sad and there's okay. even some callbacks to older characters that might make you well up with emotion at times too so and i don't know if i finished my sentence but basically like there is their own version of short round in here too that is you know i guess less racially problematic than the 80s version so it's it's a good update so you know they they know what they were doing mangold knew what he was doing and it works it works just okay. enough um the third movie I saw was Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, which, you know, I am a I am a Wes Anderson fan. I was very tempted to have my own personal Wes Anderson rankings locked and loaded uh, before we got on the mics, but I will spare you because I know you're not the <laughs> biggest Wes Anderson guy, though you told me you were looking to maybe see this on the 4th of July coming up in a couple days. So what intrigued uh, yourself about that plot with that movie? Uh, to go yeah. to it, even though you're not the biggest fan. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm 50-50. The last movie we had on HBO Max didn't work for me. The the three short story ones that it just didn't do anything for me. The French but, Dispatch? Yeah. See, I just, like that movie. I'm an apologist yeah. for that movie, yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, I saw the trailer for this movie, and I'm like, okay, Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. All right, all right. And then <laughs> I went through the cast, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is a who's who in the cast. I'm like, yeah. all right. 
I mean, you, you got me. The cast actually got me. The concept, because we all know how out there Wes Anderson is. He's just uh, an eccentric kind of director. Right. And I was like, okay, the cast with Skojo and Tom Hanks and Brian Cranston. And again, a who's who. I'm like, okay, you got me. The cast got me on this one. Yeah. So, all right. I'll go see it. And I, I, like I said, I'm I'm a bigger fan than you are. I'm apologist more of these things. I like the French Dispatch, so I think he's still doing quality films. He always gets those great casts. It's always an impressive list, and a lot of the people who are in his last few movies are back. You know, you get your Ed Nortons, your you know, uh, Tom Hanks is now in the fold. You know, he always ends up with a Tilda Swinton, and there's always some. In, you know, Jason Schwartzman is a big component. Steve Carell. They're like, it's a million people. I, I could go on and on and on. Hope Davis, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing about this movie is not only is it like a fourth wall breaking meta thing that they use as a device, which is like probably the, as some people like to say, it's the most Wes, Wes Anderson-y thing Wes Anderson could do, even though he's never really done that before. But I don't know. I was hoping it it kind of felt like, especially the way it was staged, it felt closer to like a like a Moonrise Kingdom in terms mm-hmm. of its uh, cinematography and, and some of the way they set up the blocking and everything else that I was just like, okay, I can handle that. I like Moonrise Kingdom. And that is not what this movie is. And in fact, there's a scene late in the movie where the lead character played by Jason Schwartzman, if you can call a lead in this large ensemble, is kind of like walking up and talking to the director. And he's like, I don't fully understand what this movie is about. And I was like, me too, bro. I have no fucking clue what this movie is trying to say. I don't know what this movie is trying to accomplish. It's not that constantly entertaining to just even be like, well, I'm just picking up the vibes i'm just i like the atmosphere i like something because you know wes anderson could be a little out there sometimes i I gotta say this is probably uh there's two wes anderson movies that i just completely didn't get like or whatever and this is one of those two i was bored i was uh, constantly searching for meaning or whatever why i was watching the story why this story exists and i couldn't come up with it and meanwhile, it has a 3.7 on Letterbox, and I would, uh, I want someone who thoroughly enjoyed it. And there are some critics that I follow on Letterbox who gave this thing like four and a half stars and five stars. So I want those people to tell me what the hell, uh, because to me, this is not peak Wes Anderson. This is not even French Dispatch Wes Anderson. This is. I, the only other movie I don't like in his catalog is the Darjeeling Limited. I I never got that movie. I thought it was annoying. And this movie's not annoying. It's just lifeless uh, a lot of times where I just don't get what we're doing, especially when there is like a, um, I think they even say in the trailer, there's like a, a, um, a subplot, a main plot, whatever, because there's a million subplots. There's no real A plot, I guess, but the the main family that shows up that Jason Schwartzman is the father of and Tom Hanks is the grandfather in um the mother passed away like three weeks prior and he just now tells them while they're in Asteroid City that the mother passed away and he even has like her ashes in a Tupperware thing which is kind of a laugh line thing and that's not mm. like a main thing like the thing isn't about grief the thing isn't about 
you know, going through all that, it's, it's bizarre. I, I don't have a hold on it. I'd like someone to explain what they found appealing about it. Um, but to me, this is low, low tier Wes Anderson where I would I, literally the movie ended and some people clapped in the theater and I wanted to like stay behind and be like, seriously, what the fuck? So it was one of those where, again, I'm not mad at it. I just want to understand it. And I don't. Well, wow. Well, way to end the show on a great <laughs> positive note. No. Uh, well, you talked me into what movie I'm going to go see on the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> well, good. I, at least I'm doing something hopefully I, helpful know, for I, people. I think when it comes to some critics, it doesn't matter who the director or writer is. They're going to give a positive review of it. You know, I guess I've, but I didn't see like raves for French dispatch or anything. I mean, I've seen it with other directors uh, like uh, Tarantino's last couple films where I wasn't high on, but like people were just like falling all over themselves for it. I'm like, did we watch the same movie? And I'm glad you kind of told me about the whole fourth wall breaking with Schwartzman going up to the director because I would have walked out of the theater at that point because. <laughs> yeah, I, this is not I, a shame. I, I don't know what Wes Anderson ones work for you, whether it's um, Budapest, Royal Tannenbaums, Rushmore, it, those type. Yeah, it's his earlier ones. It's Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Rural Tannenbaums. Right. Um, you know, that's to me is where I like him in that bag. Yeah. His last couple just didn't do anything for me. But uh, yeah, that would have taken me out of the movie because it it automatically made me think of, and I know this is blasphemy, and I'm going to get shit for this. <laughs> okay, but it's the reason it's the reason why I don't like Blazing Saddles. It's the it's the it's the reason I don't like Blazing Saddles. To to find out that whole movie was nothing but a directed sham, right? With all these, it just took me out of what I just watched. Sure, and I, I I know people love it and put it in their top five comedies. I I, I don't understand that movie, so. I'm glad you gave me the heads up because okay. honestly, I would have I would have got up and walked out. Right, like I'm done. Right, you know. So, yes, yeah, because that is Cranston's character. Uh, he is like kind of a narrator that kind of lives between worlds, and it's 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 a very odd construction. I think people mm. maybe like that construction, and that's what made them think this is so unique that they think, "Wow, it's great." And trust me, I love the fact that Wes Anderson gets to be like this um that he gets to be eccentric he gets to kind of go with his vision and doesn't really have to compromise and a lot of times his style works mm -hmm. but you know i i personally am the same as you where i think he peaked many moons ago i think moonrise kingdom was like a little fun way to get kind of back into my good graces even though i still think it's lower than his prime but it was enough for me to like keep up with him I liked French Dispatch, and this one just didn't work for me at all. So I'll be interested if you ever catch it. We'll have to have a, a later day conversation, or if you ante Ooh. up, I don't know uh, what your your Fourth of July plans are. But if <laughs> if you end up doing it, uh, I'm very interested to know what you think, and I'm interested to know audience uh, if you guys listen to us and you uh, want to challenge my thoughts or tell me why I'm wrong even though I'm not um, that would be great <laughs> we can have a nice dialogue because I am curious I am curious why uh, people seem to enjoy this so much I did enjoy there are things I did enjoy there is the kind of like some of the unique stuff about the city itself like they have a vending machine for real estate to buy in Asteroid City that's kind of <laughs> fun they have a, a cocktail vending machine it's like Steve Carell's little 
uh, world and, and he runs the inn and stuff. And there, there's fun stuff with that. I think the relationship between Skywood Johansson's character and Jason Schwartzman is interesting. I found that pretty compelling. Other than that, not much to go with. A little bit of Tom mm-hmm. Hanks is okay in here. And it's a very different character for him. And, you know, I think he still he fits into that West world. I couldn't tell you that he doesn't. But, yeah, this mm. it just didn't grab me. I, I, I can't say anything other than that. Um, but so for next week, though, I whoa, think. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, Back up real oh, quick. Back what did up? we miss? What yeah, did we yeah. miss? Oh, what did I miss? You're, you're great. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to slap a grade on this big boy. I'm going to be kind and say two and a half because I okay. can't say it was like annoying, bad or anything. I was just searching for something that wasn't there. And so gotcha. it felt more lifeless or boring at times than I hoped. So, okay. yeah. So two and a half, two and a half. You're right. Keep Fair me, enough. Keep me, keep me honest. So again, <laughs> for, for a day, you know, of three movies that I was, you know, very up for in various ways to go three star, 3.25 and two and a half. That's eh, mm. kind of in the summertime when we're supposed to be uh, getting some peak stuff. That That's a little tough. Um, and especially looking at what we got coming up, you know, obviously the day of, um, you know, we got Mission Impossible on, on one week and then obviously the doubleheader of Oppenheimer Barbie, uh, that will be interesting for that. But yeah, next week, you know, it's interesting. I didn't see a trailer for Insidious, the red door until today. And I'm like, "Mm, that seems kind of, you know, interesting enough or at least scary enough that I could waste some time on that maybe um but joyride i've been looking forward to that's kind of like the at least the better more modern kind of sex comedy version of things coming out in a way not really a sex comedy but like a road trip comedy it's like more girls trippy or whatever um so i'm into that um but you know i believe you said that you are possibly out next week right so we're gonna yes, sir. See. I will be gone next week. Yeah. So I got to figure out to see whether I want to kind of maybe go with what's out or maybe go with a little bit of a, a mix here. Maybe do, like I said, I've been chomping at the bit to kind of do like a horror themed episode, checking in on maybe I'm going to, you know, watch Evil Dead Rise finally. And, you know, maybe I end up watching Insidious the Red Door or. Uh, see if there's other ones that came out this year I've seen on Letterboxd a bunch of my friends were posting it about Unwelcome I've seen posted from a few people it only has a 2.7 but the certain friends of mine like voted it quite highly so I might check that out Um, I wonder if that's on either a shutter or something else right now that I might go check that out seems interesting Um, also you know uh, maybe kind of take stock and see what else for, for horror is coming out for the rest of the year. You mentioned, uh, you reminded me about The Boogeyman. I also haven't watched, so maybe... Is that on PBOD right now already? Not that I, I know. know of. It's still in the theater. Okay. Maybe I'll have to seek that out because I, I, I don't know if I saw that that was playing at the, the movie theater I was at today anyway, so I will double-check that. But um, yeah, man, you will be missed. I'll have to kind of check out the vibes and see where my heart <laughs> takes me and and see where we go there but uh at least after that you know we'll we'll be here for all the the big time action stuff 
coming uh, down the pike before we oh yeah and talk to me talk to me is coming up did you see the trailer for that I one i saw too? the trailer i'm in on that one i'm in yes. on that too uh that was at sundance and it got a you know strong response um where it's like kind of tempting fate with a a severed dead hand or something that like <laughs> makes you see things or something it's crazy and of course uh, i saw the trailer again today for the meg too so we'll have that to, yes. to, to contend with um so we'll see um also check out my latest review for what's on netflix.com i watched namona which i was surprised at how much i liked so uh, check out my review and check out that movie. Are you into uh, the animated stuff? I'm actually, it's funny. I, I'm halfway through Nimona right now. Are you? I'm enjoy- yeah. I enjoyed I'm it. I'm liking it so far. I'm liking it so far. How do you like the animation? Because that was the only thing. There was some world building and animation stuff that I was a little, little hesitant on. Otherwise, I really like the story. Yeah, I like the story. Like you said, the animation once in a while, I'm like, huh, okay. But I, I like it. It's fine. Yeah. I thought the characters were well drawn. It was just some of the background and world stuff that I was just right, like, correct. okay. Because it's, again, it's an odd construction. It's more of like a, a neo-medieval town of sorts. It's odd how they like they carry the traditions but have modern tech. It's interesting. So, But I enjoyed that. I, I can highly recommend that one as well. So you guys have a lot to watch. If you have seen these, you know, let us know what you thought of that on the social media at Recent Act Pod. Of course, also, you know, give us a, a nice review if you don't mind, a nice five star review on your pod catcher of choice, Apple, Spotify, wherever you want to do that. Subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do. Keep engaged with us, guys. We like to hear from you. And thank you again for listening and come back next week for more recent activity. <laughs>